Welcome to the Let's Think About That podcast where we don't just react. We'll break it down and think about it. We're going to talk news, the law, sports, whatever we're thinking about. We're your host, Ed Yeager and Lee Allen. Lee, how are you, my friend? I am well, Ed. I hope you are. I am doing well, although I have to say we seem to be living in troubling times now, don't we? Yes, we do. And they don't seem to be getting any better. No, they certainly don't. And in fact, it seems like there's at least one more shoe to drop in the Mideast. Mm-hmm. At least one. We we talked about this last week and what might be holding Israel back. There have been stories that the, the uh, Biden administration has asked them to hold off while they're working out deals to try to free some hostages. Uh, and then there was another story that they asked them to hold off while they were putting more air defense in place to protect uh, American troops in the region. Not sure what the truth is of any of these stories, but uh, in any event, full-scale war has not broken out yet. Well, insofar as we know. True. We, we did find out today uh, via the Wall Street Journal um, that there have been what I would say is significant U.S. casualties, um, and we weren't told about those. It's 24 servicemen injured in the last couple of weeks? At least 13 attacks on U.S. personnel in the area. Right. And um, those attacks have, to our knowledge, gone unanswered. Uh, And while we're grateful that all 24 service personnel have returned to to their um, to their jobs, um, I think the American people needed to know pretty quickly um, that that had happened. Uh, And they didn't find out until. I mean, I think it's been a couple of weeks, um, and that, that's that's not a good sign. And the commonality seems to be that every organization attributed with attacking U.S. forces receives backing from Iran. That's exactly right. And today, the Israelis accused the Iranians openly of providing training, intelligence, weapons, cash to Hamas to carry out these attacks. And speaking of that, did you see the videos that Israel released, I guess it was a couple of days ago, uh, where they were interrogating six Hamas members who had been captured on October 7th? Uh, Yeah, they were all saying that they were offered $10,000 and an apartment in exchange for participating in the attacks. And that money comes from... The American taxpayer uh, and Iran, and there may be some other countries that provide support. The, U- the UN provides support, and Hamas steals it, um, just like they do the, the money we send. So um, it's 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 as you said, it seems to be um, closer to a boil than it was last week. Yeah, and the other side of the story, I think, is has to be the protests which are going on. Uh, we mentioned that last week, but they've only accelerated across college campuses as well as in large cities here and around the world. And they can only be described as, well, they're saying pro-Palestine, but essentially anti-Israeli and anti-Semitic protests that are going on, and the scope of which is shocking to me. Yeah, and, and anti-American. Um, you're right. And, and, you know, we are, um, 80 some years post World War II. 
Um, and for most of that time, for most of the world, uh, anti-Semitism was seen as a, uh, a horror. And to the extent it existed, it pretty much was kept in the, in the background, in the dark. And now it seems like it's open. Um, I saw a poll where American Americans aged 18 to 24 and 25 to 30 something were all all felt that um, or not all, but the majority felt that the Hamas terrorists were justified in doing what they did uh, because Israel uh, had done something. Um, I'm not sure what, you know, they, 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 they buy into the propaganda that Israel is a, uh, is, is a usurper um, and an occupier. Well, they are an occupier, but they're an occupier of lands that they conquered from, in the case of Gaza, Egypt, and the Gazans, the, the Egyptians don't want it back, and the Gazans are unable to form a government beyond Hamas, so Israel, by international law, has no choice but to be an occupier. And they sort of backed off um, years ago uh, and built a fence and said, you guys run it, and it's only gotten worse. And before that, the Jewish people had historical and religious claims to the land, which literally go back a couple of millennia at least. Exactly. Uh, and there were discussions in, in, in the international community about a home place for the Jewish population, which started well before World War II, but then throughout the Holocaust accelerated, leading to international sanction for creation of the state of Israel. Right. And I mean, you go back to the Balfour Declaration during World War I, which was um, when the British government essentially um, raised its hand and said, we support a homeland for the Jews in what's historically been considered Israel, they did it because of um, work done by a Jewish individual to invent smokeless gunpowder and provide that to the, to the British military. Um, but there's never been a country called Palestine. Right. And so with all that historical background, I have to say that these protests are – it's disturbing. It's, it's, it's very disturbing. I, I don't know what, another word that I could use for it, but even if you did not have that, or even if you granted the premises upon which they're making their flawed arguments, to somehow overlook or say that it's justified to kill babies and kidnap elderly women and hold them as hostage shows a total lack of morals, ethics, ethical reasoning. What, what does it show an absence of? It, it, well, it, uh, certainly morals. I think more than what it shows an absence of, it, it shows an embrace of, of evil. Well said, yeah. And I don't know what else you call it. You know, and I don't know if you saw – I saw a little bit and couldn't watch any more of the video and the reports of videos that Israel released to journalists um, showing w w the truth of what had happened. And I mean, it, some of it, it just, it had turned your stomach. 
I have not watched the videos. I've seen a lot of discussion about it and heard what's on it and heard graphic descriptions of it. And I, I watched just a few seconds and it was more, I mean, I, you know, I don't need to see it. Yeah. Something you can't unwatch after you have. That's correct. Um, but, um, and I, I don't know if this is true, but I read one of the, one of the stories by some journalist who, who saw it, where he was talking about the rapes that were committed. And apparently some of the terrorists were committing necrophilia. I mean, they were raping dead people, mm. um, which is, I mean, I, I just, yeah. Yeah, it's indescribable. You know, and, and I'm struck, Lee, by the fact that um, at our age, we, we kind of were coming of age politically in, in other ways, late 70s, early 80s. And 1979, you had the Iranian hostage crisis. And essentially, in, Iran has been a thorn in the U.S. side ever since then. So we're, we're going back some 44 years or so. Um, and how many American deaths can be laid at the feet of the Iranian mullahs? And yet we're not taking any strong action against them. And they won't even, and this is, this is the part that I find most maddening. The Biden administration will not even use the word Iran when they're discussing this. Um, and then they say there was no direct evidence that Iran supported this, um, you know, it, and, and so it makes me wonder, you know, somewhere on Hunter's laptop, is there evidence that the Iranians bought access to, to Daddy Joe? Oh, no, that, that would be an explosive allegation if there were any evidence of that. And let's just say we don't know of any. We don't have any idea that there is any, but it would certainly explain Blinken and Biden's, I don't even think it's a reluctance. I think it's a refusal to, to, to get anywhere close to saying Iran is doing these things, not only to Israel, but to America and Americans. And aside from that, I think it's entirely plausible that they were, they're taking that position because they think there'll be blowback and there would be blowback for the $6 million they paid, um, to get five hostages released for every effort they've made for a reprisal of the nuclear deal with Iran. Right. Um, they, they have a vested interest in trying to solve that problem. Right. Because, because he needs, he needs a win politically and for his, um, you know, his, uh, for history. Um, and, and, uh, you know, even as recently as this week, the president was talking about there can still be a two-state solution. Yeah. I'll have some of what he's drinking. Well, this is the third term of Barack Obama in many ways. And so it's simply following that policy uh, that Obama tried to make nice with Iran. And you see what happened with that. But yeah. uh, already when Biden is talking about a two-state solution, He's you're already starting to see a turn from how strongly he supported Israel when this happened to starting to caution Israel publicly uh, not to be too mean to the uh, Hamas people when they attack him. Right. Um, kill them nicely, I suppose. I guess so. And, 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 and th let's just say this is 
this is an ugly situation and it will get even uglier when and if there's a ground attack. And there will be. Because there will be many civilian casualties. There will be children who are hit by the Israelis, just as there have been children hit by Hamas. And that's not to say that there's some type of moral equilibrium there. Uh, It's because Hamas has refused to allow many of the civilians in the northern part of Gaza to leave the area. Right. And they've blocked them in there. They've intentionally placed weapon systems near civilian structures to draw fire. Exactly. And, and and don't forget though, that the Gazan people, you know, they support Hamas and they do not support America and they certainly don't support Israel. Um, But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm reminded of time and again, Israel has offered its neighbors land for peace and been turned down. And then in the last 25 or 30 years, it has continued to offer both to folks and the Palestinians in the West Bank and the Palestinians in uh, the Gaza Strip um, a two-state solution. All you got to do is give us peace. You know, let us go about our business and you go about yours. And at every turn, they have been denied and rejected and um, the subject of a continual stream of terrorist attacks. But and maybe maybe I'm wrong, but the ones of October 7th just seem so much more barbaric. Yeah, I don't disagree. Not only were they more widespread, um, but they were so much more barbaric. And and it doesn't seem like at least that it was one or two Hamas fighters that just went off the rails. It seems like it was directed and intentional and premeditated to be barbaric. It was. I mean, they they found a note uh, on one of those guys they were interrogating that said, in order to effectively kill an Israeli, you need to behead and cut the liver out. Mm. Um, and and you know that's that's sort of what they did. Yeah. So I know we're totally shooting in the dark here, but do you have any thoughts about what may happen over the next week? More of the same or something different? I think probably a little more of the same. Um, from what I can read, the Israelis are probably close, if not already past the point of wanting to go in on the ground. They've refrained because the Biden administration has asked them to. Um, and so I think that they'll probably that will continue. I'll tell you what scares me to absolute lack of sleep, though, Ed, is we have two carrier battle groups. We have something like 11 destroyers and, I don't know, five, six, seven. Uh, four, five, six, seven cruisers and accompanying other ships in the med. Part of it's in the med, but they're also redirecting to the Red Sea. Yeah. Uh, in the Red Sea. Not that that changes where right. you're going. Okay, with you're right. Um, but these are not, right, th- these are not big areas. You know, it's not the Pacific Ocean, it's not the Atlantic Ocean. The French are there, the UK is there, the Chinese are there. Um, there ain't a whole lot of room to maneuver. So you worry about an accidental, you know, collision. 
But more importantly, I worry that the Iranians will put all their marbles in one basket, and that is to take out an American ship in a, you know, basically a catastrophe. Um, and boom, we're at war with Iran, Iran, whatever. We've had that conversation before. Um, and I don't know where that ends. You know, I don't know if the French and the British would support us. I think the British would. I think probably the French would, but who knows? The Israelis would. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and what gets me is I don't think we have to do that. You know, we we just need to make sure that they don't pile on Israel and let Israel take care of business because they will do that. You know, they're going into Gaza and they're going to kill Hamas. You know, there's no question about that. They don't care who knows it. They don't care. They're not going to. They're not going to stop. As brutal as that that would be, uh, that also may keep it limited. Yeah, and we hope it does. But to your to your scenario, however, I think one thing you can predict is that there would be a splinter in NATO because Turkey is not going to go along with attacks on Iran. Uh, they're already criticizing us and criticizing Israel. And, and praising Hamas. And Erdogan said yesterday or this morning that uh, Hamas was not a terrorist organization. They were jihadis fighting for independence or something like that. And, you know, I saw some folks saying we ought to kick Turkey out of NATO. And I don't know that that's not a bad idea, but um, that's probably for another day. But you're right. If the when the bullets start flying, for all intents and purposes, they're going to align themselves with the bad guys. And while this would be a little different from the possible uh, accidental uh, you know, something happening accidentally with the forces there or Iran putting all their eggs in one basket. You know, Russia also has has made an announcement in the last week. Just a reminder that uh, our ships are now within range of their hypersonic missiles. So, you know, thanks, Vlad, for weighing in on that. Yeah. And I maybe I'm naive, but I guess I think I think Vlad thinks more rationally than that. I hope he does. And. I'm not sure that the Russians are as capable as they would have us believe. And I don't think they have the ability to really to project force. Um, and, I, you know, surely he wouldn't do that. Surely not. Or as you advised us not long ago, FAFO. Yeah, uh, correct. Um, we worry about the FAA, FA part. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, so. I, who knows? We, I mean, as, as we've said before, we don't know where this is going, and we're just kind of speculating. But lots of things to be worried about. This is much, and I think we touched on this last week. To me, this is much more serious than Ukraine. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, while Ukraine had the potential, that's all it was was potential. If certain things happened to, but here I, we weren't moving ca uh, carrier battle groups because of what was right. going on in Ukraine. That's right. Now, the other big story is this. In their tallies, that the total number of votes cast is 429, of which the Honorable Mike Johnson of the state of Louisiana has re received 220 votes. Apparently, after some days, we now have a new Speaker of the House, 
Uh, I think this was the fourth or fifth candidate that the GOP caucus was able to nominate. Yes. They went through them pretty quickly and seemed to be lurching from one side to the other with Jordan and then Emmer and now back to Mike Johnson from Louisiana, who's a very conservative guy, uh, very new in Congress. He's been there like eight years. Uh, so I, I guess this is one thing that people can stop pearl clutching over at this point. At least it's done. I don't know much about Johnson other than the GOP for Ukraine gave him an F plus, which made me think that he might be the right guy. Yeah, I don't know anything about him, although I did hear his speech today. It was you know, very articulate and talked about things he wanted to change. And you know, his first uh, step was to introduce a resolution of support for Israel. So, so far, so good, I guess. Yeah. He's from Louisiana. Did, did you tell me that? I did tell you that. Do we know where in Louisiana? I don't know offhand. Uh, Majority Leader Scalise, of course, is also from Louisiana. So you got the the Cajuns in charge, I guess. Yeah, interesting. Small state, a lot of power. So I just looked it up, and and Johnson's from the 4th Congressional District of Louisiana, which is in the northwestern part of the state, Shreveport, Bossier City, also includes the cities of Minton, DeRitter, or DeRitter, and Natchitoches. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yes. Which, that area of the state is much different from New Orleans and much closer to Texas culturally. Yeah, it's right there on that, uh, right there butting up against Texas and Arkansas. Yeah. But anyway, we got a speaker. We'll see what happens. Uh, of course, the rules are still in place that it only takes one person to make a motion to vacate the chair. How soon do you think that gets changed? I, I hope it's uh, on his short list of things to do. <laughs> At least five, you know. Yeah, something, something different. Well, what's on your radar for the next week? Uh, well, what we've talked about... Um, I saw uh, yesterday, I think it was, a report that uh, the big banks have quietly, quote unquote, uh, laid off over 20,000 employees in the last few months and that more are predicted. So, uh, you know, the economy continues to be... um, something that I think we should keep an eye on. Well, and I would just say, you know, with that story about the big banks, it's just personal experience that um, ever since COVID hit, they cut back the the number of branches that were existing. Well, that's that's right. Uh, You know, sometimes you've got to figure out what branch is open at what time and what are their hours and all of that, because they're trying to push everybody to the ATMs, et cetera. And, and to electronic banking. Right. And, and frankly, um, they've done that quickly and they've accomplished a lot in that regard. And I think COVID has taught them that the days of the brick and mortar bank are probably close to being over. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I personally bank at Wells Fargo and I, I know that it used to be a Wells Fargo, well, it seemed like on every street corner. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, I think they're. Th- think there are two branches in town, you know, 120,000 people 
and there are two Wells Fargo branches. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but, but, I, but I think colleges are going the same route. I don't think they've accepted it yet. Um, and it hasn't gotten nearly as far down that path. And I guess that's because of the difference in the profit motive versus colleges are, are not profit seekers, except when it comes to athletics. Um, but I think the brick and mortar college is a, is a thing of the past too. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, we've certainly seen a growth in online education um, and the like. I, I got an online degree a few years ago, so I, I know it certainly has done a lot, but um, also I remember those college days as an undergrad and it was, you know, I can't imagine not having that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing on my radar is, you know, world series starts Friday. That's right. You got a pick in the world series. Rangers, Rangers in five. What's on your radar? Well, you know, a couple of things, I guess, you know, I saw this article. It came out earlier in the week about, uh, Ted Budd, who's a North Carolina politician. He released information on the State Department. Uh, I guess this fits in the category of culture wars, but he released information that the State Department has put out new guidelines regarding transgender employees in the workplace. And they have said within that guidance that they have put out that all employees should be addressed by the name, pronouns, and honorific that they use in their interactions. Now, what's interesting is that it goes on to say that intentional use of an incorrect name, pronoun, and or honorific, also known as misgendering, could, depending on its severity and pervasiveness, contribute to a hostile work environment and constitute misconduct up to disciplinary action, including firing. So the State Department is saying that if you misgender somebody, you can be fired. Is that constitutional? You know, that's a good question. Um, Even beyond that, what about civil service protections? And and what about the idea that, well, forget the idea of traditional, you know, (laughs) values and that men can't become women and women can't become men. Forget that. That seems to be out the window of the State Department. Uh, So that's just the latest in the culture wars. I I don't know what's going to come of it. Yeah. Nothing good, probably. No. The other thing I I had on my list is just, you know, with everything going on, as we mentioned before, as of now, there have been at least 13 attacks directly on the U.S. military and at least 24 service members injured. That we know about. That we know about. Could be more. So just, you know, remember the troops, keep them in your thoughts and prayers uh, for what's about to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and we are 12 days from college basketball. Well, that's something to look forward to. If we're still here. If we're still here, yes. If we're still here, we're going to need some entertainment, that's for sure. We are indeed. Well, that's all I got for today. All right. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Let's Think About That podcast. You can email us at comments at letsthinkpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this show, click subscribe with your podcast provider, leave us a review, and tell your friends. Mm -hmm.